Shore on Global Chat Radio, the voice of multicultural Western Australia, broadcasting from Stuart Hill around the state and across the world. Following the lilting sounds of Brahms' Hungarian dance, we will meet today's guest, Henrietta Podgorska from Hungary. a little bit about the history of Hungary. So Hungary is actually one of the oldest countries in Europe. Um, we um, um, Hungarians um, established their country nearly 1200 years ago. Um, we have been in um, the Carpathian Basin, as we like to call it. Um, before that, we used to be a nomad uh, tribe, actually seven nomad tribe or more. Um, wandered from the um, plains of Mongolia to, um, in our legends, that's what we, we believe, and um, it's really hard to track because we are mo nomads, so it's not much historic artifacts left about that, but in our legend um, says that we came from Asia. Europe and ended up in the Carpathian Basin in 1300 years ago, and uh, we were not really nice when we arrived. Um, uh <laughs> uh, my ancestors um, roamed around um, Europe and, um, well, stole, burned down, and killed people, and hoarded money. And uh, obviously the Europeans back at the time didn't really like it. Um, so they, we had a lot of fight, for, uh, a lot of fight with, the, with the countries or people at the time. And uh, even there's a saying in Switzerland that... Um, uh, dear God, please save us from the arrows of the Hungarian, because we are very vicious. But then, obviously, we needed to settle down, and in order to settle down, we had to make, um, you know, make some, um, you know, commitments, and also not, you know, raiding other people's land. So we, after 200 years, we finally settled down in the Carpathian Basin, and that's when Hungary became Hungary. Actually, 2001, uh, sorry, 1001, when we officially become. A, a Christian country um, by crowning our first king, um, um, Saint Stephen. Yeah. Great. So that's um, really interesting. And, and you mentioned to me before we went on air um, about being born on horseback. Now, yes. that's obviously part of um, the history behind Hungary. So can you tell yes. us more? Uh, so if, um, ma maybe many people don't know, but Hungary we have cowboys. Um, we call them Chikos. And they are um, they still doing um, uh, so what what they they, they are like um, like a cowboys they have their whips but they do things a little bit differently and they are very close to their horses so in our legends and generally in the Hungarian folklore we are very close to horses our ancestors were buried with horses most Hungarians are very proudly know how to ride a horse because in all of our legends we have horses in it. And uh, the Chikosh, um, they have the whips, but they also work with the horses. So not sh if you ever want to see a uh, horse sitting, sitting, not lying, not standing, sitting, then um, have, have a go to Hungary and watch one of these shows with the Chikosh because they can make the horses sit. They can ride the horses by standing on them, but not just two horses. It's like nine to 12 horses, how many they can put into a row. So they are very talented uh, cowboys, Hungarian cowboys out there. Mm. Great. Well, why don't we just pop in another little bit of Hungarian music um, uh, and from Liszt, the Hungarian Rhapsody number no. 2.
will bring us back to Henny and the history of Hungary. Wow, it's even rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> One of my many talents. Oh, very good. <laughs> Yeah, so um, the next thousand years up to now, obviously, as most European countries, we have lots of wars. Um, then we lost part of our country, then we gained it back. So it's a very dynamic history, like most of the European countries there. Um, we had our um, uh, royal house, the ones that actually established Hungary and run Hungary for the first 300 years, but unfortunately, they died out in the 1300s. So this is where um, a lot of people know Hungary as being part of the Austrian-European Empire. Um, although that came a little bit longer, this is when we first had to look outside and look for kings because our own royal family didn't have anyone. They had married into different other royals, obviously, around the um, around Europe, including, um, you know, um, Elizabeth II has also one of her ancestors were the daughter of St. Stephen. So, you know, this is the little link. Um, and then, yeah, so um, the Turks came um, and then occupied our land for 1,500 years. That was around the 1,500s. Then we kicked them out, and then we had the Austrian Empire. And then we um, uh, rebelled against them, first in 1848, which we lost. And this is an interesting fact because Hungarians don't cheer with beer. So when you have beer in your hands and you want to do a cheer, we don't do that because legend says that um, Austrians um, uh, cheered after they executed our uh, admirals. They cheered with beer, so we don't, we don't cheer with beer anymore. And then, um, yeah, we become the Austrian Empire in 1867, and Budapest became the, the capital after that. So actually, Budapest was not the capital for most of our most of our history. Our capital was um, what you call now Bratislava, which is the capital of Slovakia. So that was our mostly. Okay, so you said Budapest became the capital. Mm -hmm. Now, delving back into the deep past of my brain, I seem to recall that Budapest is actually two cities. Yes, very correct. It's called Buda and Pest, and this is when it actually was united. Buda is more for the rich. That's where a rich. That's where we had the castle. That's where we have all the politicians and so forth. And Pest was always the, um, you know, middle class and the poor class. And but they united them, and now it's all mixed. So, for example, the parliament is on Pest side, while the the um, you know the castle is on Buda side. So, yeah. So, you said on side, so is there a river or something? Yes, sorry, yes, the Danube right across, yeah, going through. Um, that's one of our biggest rivers, other than the other one which called Tissa. So, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you for, for that. So, you got to the. And the end of 1900, 1800s? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What comes next? Next comes the first. Next comes the First World War, and we went. Um, if not sure, if uh, you know who remembers, but the First World War was um, um, happened because someone in uh, Serbia killed our prince, which was the Austrian um, Hungarian Austrian Empire's prince. They was he was killed, and that's where we had a war. Um, Germany wanted a war again. <laughs> And we were pulled into it. Now we lost it, that war, and the end was that Hungary was divided up. We lost two-thirds of our land, um, which is until today a huge pain for my people. It, um, the, this one called the Trianon because it was signed at the Trianon place in, uh, in Paris, um, and it was named after. So if you tell, if you mention the name Trianon, you will see some pain coming up to any Hungarian faces because we lost after a thousand, nearly a thousand years, we lost two-thirds of our land. And we act like to say that we are actually, Hungary is actually surrounded by itself because literally just the core left. Now we have Slovakia, we have Romania, Serbia, Croatia, part of Slovenia, and even Austria gained some land from us. Yeah. Okay, great. Mm. Um, so... We might now just pop in uh, a little bit more music mm -hmm. um, by, yeah, Havasi, um, and it's a piece called Spring Wind. Mm -hmm.
Okay, so after that little musical interlude, um, we might talk a little bit about the language of Hungary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, every time I look at Hungarian words, including your name, which isn't Hungarian anyway, but um, <laughs> they seem to be huge. Um, tell us a bit about that. So the Hungarian language is unique, um, one of the only few ones uh, in Europe, uh, other than the Finnish and Latvian. We are belong to the Uralic language um, groups and completely different to any of the languages surrounding us. Um, we have 44 letters in our alphabet. Um, we have um, very, very long words. For example, is one word. <laughs> and what does it mean? <laughs> for your unsaintly du- um, deeds. Yes, for your unsaintly... Yeah, something like that, something along the way. It does make sense, but it's usually um, used to um, showcase um, how much object, uh, how much things you can add to a word to make a sense, make 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 a you know make it still uh, relevant or or something that is um, you know makes sense. Yeah. So because the Hungarian works, we're not putting in the front of the words; we're actually putting into the word. For for example, in English, you have "I love you." In Hungarian, it's one word, "szeretlek." It's in there that who is saying who to what, what is the action, and when. So everything is in one word because we're adding into the word. And, uh, yeah, we can actually impre- um, express ourselves with one word instead of saying three different words. Yeah, so very unique language. And not many people can understand, and apparently one of the hardest one to learn after Chinese, I think, or Japanese. Yeah. So. Yeah, but at least you have the same sort of characters in your script. Yeah, well, we yes and no. We, you do use the Roman alphabet like most Europeans do, but we also have the old runes, um, Hungarian runes, which is um, different symbols, so completely different alphabet to what we have. It's also syllables, so it's based on sound, and also written from, instead of um, left to right, it's right to left. So um, we actually using, yeah, we, that haven't been used for a long, long time, and it was sort of lost, especially in the c- uh, communism, when it was, um, you know, it's, it's uh, being a nationalistic was not really a thing. Um, and But now, in the last 30 years, it's brought back up. And also the lost um, ancestry from, from those nomads that we have 1,300 years ago, a lot of people turning back to those old ways. And one of them was to um, revitalize the second alphabet that we have, which is the Hungarian runes. Um, yeah, I even went, to, um, even went to a competition when I was in high school. To, to write on that language. Okay. So the Hungarian Romanic alf- Roman alphabet has 44 letters, mm-hmm. including letters that have two letters in there. So, for example, you see one of the songs that will come up, it says, that G-Y, there's actually J sound. So it's one sound for one inst- for two letters. Yes. Uh, and that word you uh, told us about before, how many letters has that got? Oh, that has a lot of letters. <laughs> that is that is one of the longest one, and I think um, so. This one is this one. Oh, oh, this is a new one actually. And look at that. So this is one I know. Elkel kaposztás talaníthatatlanságoskodásoitakért. Um, and then that's the other one that I mentioned. This one is a new one and huge. Folyamat ellenőrzési ügyosztály vezető helyettes képvis. Képesítés vizsgálat szervezéseitekkel. Wow, uh, that's even new for me. You're going to hazard a guess at what it means? It, it, it's a um, so this is a position. This is about a process management position in one of the departments um, that is going to get replaced and investigated. Well, for those listeners who can't see this, <laughs> this word actually goes right across the page. <laughs> yeah, right across, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a unique ruins that you can't replicate. There are certain theories. Again, because of our nomadic background, there's a very, very few 
um, very, very few, um, you know, um, you know, um, evidence left of where actually coming from. And there's always new evidence like, coming up and new theories, but realistically, no one knows. Um, yeah. So, but we we this kept it, and it's not a language per se; it's just the writing. And usually, these ones actually were used on Koptafa, which was um, literally like a gravestone. So that's where they were they were using it. And the reason why they are literally most of them, if you look at it, is just like a straight line in different angles. You crave them into wooden, um, you know, um, like poles. Yeah. And, and the language, um, for instance, in English, we've got very few words for love. Yeah. How many have you got in? Uh, have you got more in in, in Hungarian? Not for love per se, although you can express different one. But for example, uniquely, uh, Hungarian has two two names for red, the color red. Piros and vörös. And you can, interestingly, for certain, and we're talking about the same, like, um, for example, apple and and uh, apple, a red apple or a red um, rose. And it, you say completely differently. Piros alma, vörös roja. And we're referring to the same uh, to the same color, yeah. And a very funny thing that uh, if you know a Hungarian, you're going to laugh about it. And next time, if you meet with a Hungarian, tell them, greet them this way. So when we greet, uh, we say um, we give two kisses, and we also say. Um, when we say goodbye on the phone, and this is why Hungarians are very uncomfortable to ta talk Hungarian on the phone and because they then have to say goodbye, and we usually say goodbye to our loved ones or close friends. Pussy, pussy, which means kiss, kiss. <laughs> but it sounds very, very inappropriate in English, but it's so innocent. It's literally just kiss, kiss on the face, like, you know. Um, but uh, So I always teach that instead of swearing words, which most Hungarian teaches today, foreign friends, I like to teach that because people will remember it, and it's a funny one when they say, oh, pussy, pussy. <laughs> just put on a little bit of music while... Which means forog uh, vilag, which means uh, the world is spinning or spin the world. I'm so done by 
now we're back and we're now going to perhaps pursue the topic of food. Um, mm. I, I, I love my food. I love my food from all sorts of countries. Um, but I've had Hungarian goulash, but that's all I know about Hungarian food and it probably isn't Hungarian anyway. Yeah, most uh, most people know about goulash. Oh, actually, the proper pronunciation is goulash, but I'm guessing that's a hard one <laughs> for foreigners. So it's goulash. Goulash is um, actually um, was made on you know made by people who were looking after the uh, the cows and they just made their food. So that was like a peasant food, um, but. Uh, people also missing out if they only know goulash then I highly recommend to explore our food more because we actually make it there's actually some amazing things to try for example we also have a lot of um, langos which is fried bread so we fry yeah we fry uh, the bread dough uh, in oil and then put like sour cream and cheese and stuff so highly recommend um, we also, funny enough, because the biggest food that every Hungarian eats, and usually it's on Sunday, and usually with my mom, is schnitzel. And I know that's not really Hungarian, but that's technically, I should name, I think that's more of the biggest, or the most popular Hungarian food in Hungary. It's the schnitzel with mashed potatoes. Um, I actually, I don't think I had many goulash in my life until I came to Australia. So, yeah. But also, um, I would mention... Uh, two sweets. One of them is the Kürtös kolaj, which is chimney cake, which is literally looks like a chimney. Uh, it's rolled around in a wooden um, uh, wooden roll and then baked over hot coal. So it's not actually baked in an oven. It's actually on a hot coal and it's beautiful at winter time. And um, the other one is uh, Dobosh cake, which is one of the most famous Hungarian sweets. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned schnitzel. Yes. Which I sort of associate with Austria. Yep. So may, maybe that's the yes, reason. Yes, probably. Yes, most likely. <laughs> okay. Now, I mean, you, you, you've mentioned a whole heap of really interesting facts. Um, but while we're on food, uh, mm -hmm. let's go to the natural um, next, accompaniment next to best. that. Um, and let's talk about the wines of Hungary. Yes, yeah, so one of the interesting facts about Hungary that we have the um, we have the worst first sorry the world's first official wine region. Um, a lot of people may heard it. It's called Tokai. So if you're ever in Hungary and you love your wines, I highly recommend to visit Tokai. Um, it's a white wine traditionally, very sweet white wine, and they also measured by how many bags of uh, uh, grapes going into. So the more it's called the Putonyos. That's the puton is the is the bucket or basket they're using um, to collect the grapes, and the more goes into it, the sweeter it becomes, and actually more expensive it is because it's literally, uh, yeah, it's, and it's a beautiful. Every hung uh, fun fact about uh, Tokai, every Hungarian has a bottle of Tokai at home. Don't lie, you do. So, <laughs> and it's always waiting to open it at uh, at the you know at a very special time, which never comes. So, <laughs> just telling you, if you have a Hungarian friend, just ask them where is the bottle of Tokai and why they are waiting to open it because they're never going to open it. <laughs> and I think the thing that goes with that, um, the more grapes that go into it, and as you say, the sweeter mm -hmm. it gets, I suspect the stronger it gets. Is that right? Yes, um, although not necessarily that. Well, yeah, more because of the fermentation. Yeah. Yes, yes, it can okay. get actually. And I'm not Hungarian, mm -hmm. but. I do have a bottle sitting at home. Oh, good. Um, Tokai. Yeah. Oh, good, um, good. And I also have a bottle of Agri Bikava. Is that what it's called? Ag yes, Agri Bikavir, which yeah. means the um, the uh, bulls, so the blood of the bull from Eger. Eger is one of um, one of the cities in Hungary, and it has a very legendary um, um, bottle named, well, it, it was a huge battle there against the Turks, so that's why it's also very famous, again. So I highly recommend to visit, it's a beautiful town, and it's very famous for the red wine, although traditionally Hungarian was a white wine region, yes. Yeah, but it, it, it's quite a, a rough red wine, I, I Very guess. heavy, very, yeah. very heavy, although, yeah, it's very heavy. Yeah, so if you like Shiraz and you want to <laughs> double it, then go for <laughs> go for the Hungarian agri bikavir. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, well, you you mentioned fun facts, mm -hmm. uh, and I've never envisaged Hungary as a sporting nation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But 
It has a number of significant sporting achievements. Yes. Do you want to touch on that a bit? Yeah, so we are very big on Olympic, uh, Olympic Games. We literally won a gold medal at every single Olympic game that we have attended. We are very, very strong on water sports, so swimming, kayaking, and also water polo. And water polo actually have a very special connection to Australia because in 1956, when my country um, rebelled against the Soviet Union and trying to overturn and, you know, get out of the communism, um, here in Melbourne, there was the Olympic Games, and the finals for the water polo men's team was Hungary versus the Soviet Union, and it was a huge, huge battle, and not just because of the sport itself, but what was happening back at home. Now, after the Olympic Games, that those group of people who came here never went back to their country, so they never haven't seen their loved ones. Some of them died here even before they were able to return after the um, after the curtain fall in 1989. Yeah. yeah, and you, you told me that Hungary mm -hmm. per capita has the second most yes, Big, uh, second most uh, Olympic uh, medals. Yes, so which is fascinating. Mm. Um, well, it's uh, the reason is is because um, the most medals that you can get is swimming, and Hungarians are really really good at swimming. So it's you know all sorts of short, long, this kind of swimming, that kind of swimming. So we're always telling up with a lot of gold medals because we're doing a lot of swimming and a lot of water sport, which traditionally have more medals than, for example, you know, running or uh, not running is, but other other kind of sports in the Olympic Games. But, uh, most sports. Huh? Motorsports. Motorsports, yeah. yes. So the first uh, Formula One uh, race was held, um, so the first Formula race that was held behind the curtain in the communist countries, in the communist bloc, was in Hungary in 1986 when I was born. <laughs> Fine. Um, and, th and then you go to the more peaceful games, I guess, if you want to call it, mm -hmm. um, Rubik's Cube I've heard of. but I, I, Oh, yes, yeah, so that's one of the inventions, indeed. So Hungary has a lot of invention, and also we found, a, um, you know, a lot of... Um, like, for example, Hungary, Hungarian made the match, so the one that you light, you know, your cigarette or your... Oh, yeah. yeah, that was made by a Hungarian. Rubik's Cube uh, also. Um, we also pen, for example. So the ball pen that we're writing today was also made by a Hungarian. Um, and, for example, um, Senor de Albert found the vitamin C. So every winter when you're taking vitamin C, you can take that because a Hungarian was the one who found, um, uh, to found the vitamin C in paprika. Which <laughs> is why we take our vitamin C with our meals. Uh, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, now, the other thing that you mentioned, that Hungarians have done a lot of outstanding things in the areas of literature and science and... Yeah. Tell, tell me about that. So we have, um, we very proudly have 13 Nobel Prizes, literally in every single category except the Peace Prize. So very, very, um, you know, we, um, um, in Hungary, the literature, uh, lit literacy is 99%. So only 1% of the population is not, have difficulties with reading and writing. 99% of the population um, and uh, very, um, we love our science. And for example, one of the interesting things when I came to Australia was the belief that women are not good with STEM subjects. And I never had that belief. I never, I went to a math special class in, in high school and 80% of the, uh, my schoolmates were women. So I never had. And one of the, one of the um, chess master in chess, which is, you know, at the moment very popular because of the Queen's Gambit, um, is, uh, she is Hungarian. Um, and, you know, we have, for example, the behind the Pfizer vaccine, the leading scientist is a Hungarian woman. So I'm really working hard in Australia to see that this is just a belief. This is nothing behind. Women are actually just as good with STEM subjects as anywhere else because I grew up not believing in that. Also, I think it's because of the communism, because in communism, everyone is equal. Everyone had to learn. So women and men had exactly the same education with exactly the same, you know, um, opportunities. And you mentioned a high rate of literacy. Yes. Um, what about English? Is that 
sort of no, a actually very interesting um, interestingly I think because of the history around grade 4 um, the child has to make a decision which is usually made by the parents which um, language they would like to pursue because you have to learn a language and for the rest of the 8 years so 8 solid years I learned German um, so at eight grade four, uh, grade four, you have to decide if it's German or English. And because of the history and Europe and most Hungarian actually going to Germany to live, I have fam family in Germany. So it was, you know, made sense that I actually learned German um, for the first time. But then in high school, you can also get another lang language. So I took up English. But unfortunately, I didn't have a good teacher. Um, only thing I remember for that four years of English study was that uh, English alphabet looks like ours, but sound differently. So <laughs> that wasn't really, wasn't really well, much. <laughs> sounds like a very good teacher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and y y so let, let's stick with the Hungarian language then. Yep. Um, and tell me a little bit about the construct of the um, Hungarian language. Oh. It's called the Uralic language because it's from the Ural. Oh, the, uh, my, our language, yes. Well, one of the interesting facts is that um, uh, we don't call ourselves Hungarian, so Hungar um, you know, Hungary. We call ourselves Magyar. Um, and also Hungary is called Magyar Orszag, so it's a different one. I think it was just hard to pronounce for everyone else, so they just started calling us Hungary, or maybe it's something to do with the Huns. Do, uh, do, does that translate into English? Which? Magyar? Magyar? No. No, okay. it's just literally how we call ourselves. Okay, well, mm. having raised that type of subject, we might just play a little bit of music, mm. um, which is called... It's next, um, so... The next uh, segment of the music is going to from Olak Iboya, and she's going to sing about Hungary, which is Magyarország. Yeah. 
yes, historically, yes. So um, Hungary, uh, so when you hear the bells ringing uh, in the middle of the day, um, the reason is because uh, we have saved Europe from the Turks. So in... Um, um, in the 1500s, um, the Ottoman Empire was expanding towards Europe, um, and there was a huge battle um, against the Turks. In um, now we called uh, Nando Fehervar, but we call it Nando Fehervar, but now it's Belgrade, um, Belgrade, which is the capital of Serbia, and we stopped them um, to advancing for at least uh, another 50 years. And uh, to thank the Hungarians, actually the bell that you hear at noon is, is for the Hungarians saving uh, Europe from the Turks. Yeah. And, and that's a tradition that was introduced by the Pope at the time, I believe. Yes, exactly. Collectus III um, was ordered to every Christian around the world to commemorate the triumph of the Hungarians, the faithful Hungarians against the Turks, yeah, in 1950, uh, 1456. Okay, and while we're talking about churches, tell us about St. Stephen's Hand. Yes, so um, our first king, St. Stephen's, uh, have we, well, every year on the 20th of August, uh, our, uh, Hungary has its foundation day, so we celebrate uh, Hungary becoming a, um, a country and a Catholic country. And one of the things that we do is that we have our first king's right hand, mummified right hand, and we, they, um, uh, they, well, it's touring around Budapest, <laughs> really, every year. And yes, we do have his uh, right, right hand that people can, well, not every time, I believe, but, um, but it is, uh, especially on the 20th of August, people can go, and see his um, his right hand that we still have, and uh, yeah. Okay, now you you mentioned an interesting fact about names. Yes. Do you want to share that with the listeners? Yes. Yeah, so uh, in Hungary, you can't name your child anything you want to. Um, you actually have to like you know west and east <laughs> and whatnot. There's some you know, people getting um, you know naming their children, giving them names based on what they you know think is best. But in Hungary, you can't. You have to choose a name that it's on the list. And one of the reason, and we have a naming committee. So if you want your name, if your child to name to have a name, a foreign name, then you have to submit a request to the naming committee, and they may accept it or not. The reason is because Hungary, we have a big tradition called the name days. So every name has a day when you celebrate your name. So Henrietta is on the 16th of March. And uh, because of that, because you have to have a name day, the naming committee have to accept if it's a real name or not, and then have to allocate a day when you can celebrate your name. So you have a list of 365 names, basically. More than that. One day can have more than one names. Fine. So is the name day different from your birthday celebration? Yes, yes. Well, most people actually, in uh, even in Poland, Poland is the same, in Hungary most people celebrate their name days because you're not counting. You just celebrate who you are. You celebrate your name. So, so, so in, is it sort of a, a bit of a tradition in a sense that if you are born on the 16th of March, you'll be called Henrietta? No, that, no, 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 it's separate completely. And uh, there's a joke in my family because I was born on the 24th of December and um, my name, so my dad, on that day, the name is Eva and Adam. And my dad, um, yes, I know. Um, and my dad said to the nurse that, oh, I can't make her life hell. You know, I can't name her Eva because, you know, that w I would be everything on one day. So that was, that was a joke my dad made. Thank God they didn't name me Eva because <laughs> it's hard enough to be, uh, you know, a Christmas baby. So, yeah, so mine is on the 16th of March. Okay. Now, where when you get married, you take your husband's family name or do you keep your own or do you have some sort of hybrid or... Yes, you can. Most most women take um, the husband's name, and in Hungary, it's an interesting tradition. It's not as common at the mo at times, but that women take the full name of the husband and then put N A in the end, indicating that she is the wife of that person. So, for example, uh, my husband's name is Philip Podgorski, and I would be Philip Podgorski Ne. And that's official. That's on your passport. That's on your driving license. So you don't know the woman's first name um, without actually asking her because on her, all, her, all her documents, it's actually the, 
the yeah. Also, another interesting tradition with weddings uh, and Hungarian weddings, we have two dresses: one white one and one red one. Uh, white one, you wear it until midnight, and then midnight you change to red, representing that you are a wife now. You are not, you are not a bride anymore. Yeah. And you, you, you just said then that Philip's name was Podorsky, mm-hmm. and yours is Podorska, yes. with an A on the end. Is, is that something to do with the... Yeah, well, not with Hungary, but in Poland, um, actually Podgorski is the male version and Podgorska is the female version. So um, he, when he, you know, when we're getting married and he said he would love me to wear Podgorska because that's the, uh, the correct version in Polish. Podgorska is the female Podgorski. This is why if you see a woman named Podgorski, Elizabeth Podgorski, that you know that either got married into it or second or third generation because it should be A in the end, not I. Okay. Now, I'm great on health kicks, okay? Mm-hmm. Natural, <laughs> natural health. Yeah. You've, you, you've, you've mentioned my vitamin C, but um, I love massage and I love spas and... Sort of. Oh yeah, Dan would love you would love Hungary. Hungary has um, one of the richest country with spa spas. We have literally every town. You know, I, someone made a joke that in Australia every small town have to have a, um, a so, sorry a football and cricket field. That's how you know that's must. In Hungary, every town has a spa because Hungary is very rich in water. We are, as I said, Hungary is in the Carpathian Basin. So all the water from the Alps and the Carpath- Carpathian uh, mountain, mountains are flowing down to literally we are like a bowl, the bottom of the bowl. And we are also very volcanic. So it's very rich uh, in, uh, in the minerals. So it's fantastic. So if you want to go a good spa experience, then definitely visit Hungary. We even have a huge lake. That's, the whole lake is a natural mineral uh, water source and you can swim in there. It's incredible. So are they like thermal spas, like like warm spas? Thermal, yep, thermal spas, uh, mineral baths, anything, you name it. Whatever tickle you fancy, you will find a spa in Hungary. <laughs> okay, well, that's probably a good spot to stop. <laughs> so, Penny, I'd really like to thank you for coming no in worries. this afternoon and telling us uh, um, an amazing um, array of things about uh, your country of origin. And um, hopefully we'll get to hear you on Global Chat Radio again at some time talking professionally perhaps about some of the things that um, Umbrella Multicultural Association does. And we'll go out with another little piece of music, um, this time from Omega, and it's called... Yes, um, so it's called Yonha Yulain. This is one of the most famous song, uh, modern song from Hungary, even recently Westpac had an advertisement on TV with this music, so people may recognize it um, from, from that advertisement. <laughs> 